Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. It was nice where I was at. Uh, Again, on the phone for part three of her story, we've got Leanne. Leanne, you can say hello to the people out there. Hi. (laughs) That's a whole lot better than the first one, I can tell you that. uh, Again, we're talking to Leanne. We're still going over the uh, Domestic Violence uh, Awareness Month, but we're doing part three of her story. But before we get too deep in it, we talked off the air, and Leanne is still involved with some legal issues uh, yet to go to court, and we won't go too far past uh, 2020 because that stuff has yet to go to court, and we're not going to talk about it to jeopardize any of that. We agreed on that, right, Leanne? Yep. Okay. But what what, what was that? Say what you got to say now. (laughs) No, I said got it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, But... If we remember, we were talking about part three, but we want to answer a few questions that came in through some emails. And Leanne says she would love to clear up some of them. And I think the biggest question that keeps coming up, I think from people who have never been involved in a situation like this, Leanne, is been Mm -hmm. why stay? Why did you stay? And we're talking 12 years, even after the uh, first child is born. But why stay? Get people to understand that why. Okay. I stayed because it was a cycle that I learned later on after I had educated myself on my life and what was going on in all those years. It was a cycle. And so it was a a narcissist abuse cycle. So, and I always chalked it up to being a roller coaster. That's what I always felt like. I had thought maybe he was bipolar. I thought there was other issues. I wasn't sure because it was always hot or cold. So I did a lot of learning. And what I learned was that the roller coaster, when it was down on the way down, those were the bad times. Those were when it was awful. He was mean. I, life was terrible. I was confused. I was in a fog. I just did not understand what he was so angry about or what I did wrong. He would tell me the things that I did that I didn't, I know I didn't do So that's gaslighting. And so I was just confused for almost 12 years as to what was happening. I was trying to always figure it out. And then we would go one day, he would decide to be nice and he would be very nice. He would be loving. He would be caring. He would be basically a Jekyll and Hyde by gifts. He would do things that maybe I had asked for, whether, you know, love language stuff, you know, just, I just want to hug. I remember saying, and he couldn't, when he was like in the mean phase, it was, he couldn't even give me a hug. It was silent treatment, withholding affection. It was a lot of just mind control, mental abuse that I would be dealing with. And it just, it kept me in a fog. And so when I would end it, or I would leave on one of these mean cycles that were just, I couldn't take it anymore. And things would be so irrational, and I'm trying to rationalize them, 
and couldn't, that's when I would end up being like, I, I can't do this. And I would leave. So then once I left, he would go back into that love bombing cycle of being doting, loving, expressing his love. He would be very giving. He would uh, say all the right things to get me back. And so when in my hope and in my, you know, encouragement from others, you know, because we did start having kids, it was, okay, you know, he, he promises this is going to change. He, pro- he, he sees what he's done wrong. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. So that was kind of the roller coaster I was on for forever. And it wasn't until I was able to educate myself to see, you know, that these, all these actions and words and all these stuff, they have definitions as to what was happening. And so when I was able to label what was going on and have an understanding of how it worked is when I finally got out. When you say you left, would those be, mm-hmm. be times where you would just get in the car and drive away, stay gone for a while? Or would that just be, explain to me what I left means when you said that. It would be completely moving out. I com- I completely, I didn't have a whole lot of things that I would keep there at his house, but I would move out into my parents' house. So this happened several times where you would end up at your parents' house. Yes. And what was mom and dad telling you? It's just, you know, it's not right. This isn't okay. You know, they, they hadn't seen when the mask falls. So they've seen when his mask would fall and he would get at them or he would uh, verbally abuse them. They would see him do the same to me and they, they just hated it. They hated every minute after we had kids, there was encouragement from people that didn't know the situation fully. Cause I mean, I didn't even understand it, but was encouraging to work it out, encouraging to make it work, especially once I started having kids. But the last time I left and stayed at my parents was before my first was born. And then after that, I stayed around until 2017 and I moved out again. When did you eventually get married? Um, So then we, I, let's see, my first was born. And so everything was going great. Um, When I moved back, Maddox and I moved back in with him. He was, did all the right things, said all the right things. So we moved back in. Um, He proposed and we started planning a wedding. And the wedding was set for, the wedding was November 2011. Had everything ready to go. We had been arguing about money with it because he believed my parents needed to pay for a lot. My parents couldn't afford a lot. And I wasn't going to put that on them. So that was an ongoing argument. And we had to go see a couple counselor. If you have gone to a couple's counselor with someone that's a narcissist, it's absolutely awful. What do you mean by that? He played the victim, the counselor, hook, line, and sink, all the way down, playing, hearing him play the victim. I was the bad guy. When we would argue, he would go in circles like say the same thing over and over and over and over. I mean, I could probably say it in my sleep, these arguments. And when he was talking at, at one of our uh, sessions, 
he got stuck on this same <laughs> line that I had heard a hundred times. And so when he got stuck on a word, I said the word and the therapist looked at me, Bob looked at the therapist and he said, you know, just played victim. And the therapist looked at me and said, you need to shut up. I was like, okay, all right, I'm done with this. I'm done here. So that was she, my last. She told you to shut up. He told you need to shut up just like that. Hmm. And I couldn't believe what was happening. And he did, he played the victim and I was the bad guy. So he, apparently the therapist thought that was, he was right to say something like that to me, which I don't think that goes on any level of professional, but so that was it. I was done with that a week before the wedding. He was always so paranoid. Oh my gosh. Like, paranoid that I was telling people stuff, paranoid that I was talking to my mom about things, to friends. And so he would, he grabbed my phone, tried to grab my phone out of my hand. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm not doing anything wrong. And which I wasn't, I said, I'm not doing anything wrong. If I want to talk to a friend, you know, about what's going on so I can understand it because I couldn't understand anything, you know, I'm going to do that. He was holding our, our oldest in his arms. And he was about 18 months at that time or so carrying him around, trying to get my phone out of my hand. I was like, no. So I ran, he got started screaming. I ran in the bathroom and had my hand up and he shut my hand in the door. Uh, I had my phone, took my phone and he punched a hole in the wall and, or the door. And I was just terrified because he's doing all of this. I begged him to put our son down and he wouldn't. I didn't know what else to do. It was the worst moment I had had my life up till then because I wasn't sure what he was going to do if I stayed there and he wouldn't give me our son. So I left the house. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. But I was terrified that if I stayed, he would continue to get mad and continue to, to act out while holding him. And I was just terrified. So I went to my friend's parents' house down the road told them, bawling, told them all about it. They called him and said, you need to bring Maddox here right now. So he did. He brought him over, acted like nothing happened, uh, talked to them like nothing happened, and left. And it was then that I said, I'm, I'm not doing this wedding. And it, this was a lot of money spent. This was a big venue downtown, food, photographer, all of it lined up and I had to, I started making phone calls on, on canceling everything. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So did it all get canceled? It was canceled. Yep. And Let everybody know and that RSVP'd. Okay. I'm going to back up here. This was all mm-hmm. being done while he was holding your son in uh-huh. his hands. Yeah. Yep. And he wouldn't put him down. Mm-hmm. And so I called it off. He, you know, the anger, the roller coaster I was on, I still didn't understand it. Well, he chalked it up to he needed anger management or anger therapy or whatever. So then he found somebody for anger therapy and started going to them. I noticed a change right away. I was like, so this has been the issue all along. Okay. You know, this is, he's, everything has been going great. I'm thrilled. He was meditating. He was telling me all this stuff. He was, I mean, I thought God's awesome. This is what, what was needed coming up to April, 2012. So it wasn't very long. Um, he, I had him send me receipts 
of his appointment. So I knew he was going, got married April, 2012 in a backyard of a friend's house, threw it all together, had just close family and friends. And that was it. So our 300 and some wedding came down to about 25 and the day of the wedding, he was fighting with my best friend, who was my maid of honor, who was the one that introduced us. I just knew, like, the day of the wedding, I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? But then it was just, it was too late to call it off again. Everyone was there. It was, I just thought, oh, my gosh. <sighs> okay, just pray for the best. Pray for the best. And you knew in your gut it mm-hmm. wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah, my gut was screaming at me. And from the time he was punching the walls and had you in the bathroom, shut your arm in the door, to the time you got married, and he went through all this little therapy and uh, anger management, how long of a gap was that? That was, would have been November to April. About six months or so. Yeah. Okay. And you saw a change in him that was a good change. Mm-hmm. And during Fantastic. That, yeah, and during that time, there wasn't any issues, no punching walls or taking nope. bones, okay? So it was going along smooth. Mm-hmm. You got married. Yep. Uh-huh. And did you guys get a chance to go on a honeymoon, or did you just nope. go right back to what you were doing? No honeymoon. Thought, we'll just put it out, push it out for a little bit. And when it's a better time, because he, he traveled for work every week and hard to reschedule stuff. So I was like, we'll just push it out. We'll go another time. So yeah, I got right back into the same routine, right back into the cycle. He stopped going to anger therapy pretty soon after the wedding and said that his therapist told him it was, he didn't have to go anymore, that he thought he had, he had done enough work and he was good. Right. Right. So, so after that, go ahead, mm -hmm. go ahead, go ahead. Then I ended up, I got pregnant with our second son, uh, and it was just that roller coaster that went through several years. It was the same mental, financial abuse, the psychological, emotional, uh, that wasn't physical anymore after that. Uh, he, I was working part-time, so he would be gone all week, and I would take both of the kids to a daycare or a preschool every day and work part-time in a doctor's office. So it was just life going. Um, I got pregnant with our third, uh, our daughter. That was another moment that I just thought, oh my gosh. We went to the gender reveal ultrasound and had the both boys. We were planning on leaving for Disney World that day after the ultrasound we were sitting in there and she was, you know, going at it. And she's like, Oh, looks like it's a girl this time. And I was so excited. I just told myself I'd had boys. So I didn't, didn't think about it, but I was so excited. And I looked over at him and the tech did too. And he was just scowling, not excited, scowling. So then I was embarrassed. Boys were excited we get out of there and he just lays into me about, I was fine with two boys. I didn't want another one. What am I going to do with a girl? I, I was good with the two. And I was just like, what? <laughs> oh 
Oh my gosh. I was so excited. So happy. I knew how excited everyone else would be in it. That's, that's what all he had. I'm like, okay. And, and so the, then that's, th- these things are being said and done in front of the children. Oh yeah. So he never held back or tried to hide or, you know, shield any of this. No, no. And I mean, he, he would get, he would just get so angry. And I know like throughout the years when he would be mean and silent treatment withholding, if I wasn't doing or saying exactly what he wanted, that's what I would get. And I knew if I did anything against his wishes, there would be punishment. I'd have to, I'd be punished for it. What do you mean by punished? Just the silent treatment. He would ignore me. He'd walk right past me and glare at, glare past me. Like wouldn't even look at me. He wouldn't, wouldn't hug me, wouldn't touch me, wouldn't acknowledge me. If he had to, in whatever moment, he would just be hateful towards me and tone and words. And so then it, it, it was always that. And then there would be good moments of him being nice and let's watch a movie on the couch guys being a, you know, okay. First. So that's why for so long, I mean, I didn't know the correct definition of being bipolar, but I thought, is this what bipolar is? Like, do you need meds? Like, what is this? What is going on? Hmm. Could not figure it out for the life of me. Was it ever suggested to go back to the anger management? Yeah. And he said, oh, he cleared me. He said I was good. There really wasn't any arguing with him because if I would bring up and if I would say something that I was upset about, he would bring up, he wouldn't address what I was upset about, but he would bring up something that happened two years ago. That he was upset about. Yeah. As an argument. Like he had to just one up and over me. Like, so nothing I said or felt mattered, held no weight so nothing was ever addressed or fixed or anything. It was, he would go back to fights that we had. Like he would bring up, well, you're a liar. You lied to me about what you got at the store with the maternity clothes. I mean, he would go back to things. Hmm. Could be anything, smallest thing. And I'd be like, I thought we talked about this and we were done with it. Right. And he, oh, well, you might've been, but I'm not. So it it would be beating a dead horse, circle, 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 the same topic, same phrase, like the same sentences used over and over. Hmm. It, it was crazy. It's crazy making, which right. is exactly what it all is. You know? Now, while he was doing this to you, the silent treatments, ignoring you, walking past you, not showing any affection at all, mm-hmm. it did, did ever... He do that to the kids. Yeah, he would. It was so frustrating. He'd be gone all week, and then he'd come home. Well, then he would go do something else. He'd go. He was a part of the fire department, so he'd go to the fire department, or he'd go to someone's house and help him fix something, or he had this or that to do. But he could be gone all week, come home Friday, and we wouldn't see him. You know, basically the whole weekend. He never played with the kids. He never, I was always the buffer, you know, to their hurt feelings with him. He just wasn't, didn't interact a whole lot. Didn't know what was going on. Just very, if it worked for him, then, then he would be, he was on his phone all the time, iPad, whatever. 
Right. Uh, he just didn't have, but unless we were in front of people, if we were in front of his family or friends or at the store where we could possibly run into somebody, he was super dead. Right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Which made me sick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how the kids felt around their dad and what you may or may not have had to do with uh, keeping them happy or engaged? Um, I would have to, you could see the hurt feelings. They'd be sad about, you know, him being gone or not sticking around after he would get back. And um, they were just craving his attention and weren't getting it. So, you know, I would just try to divert their attention to something else or do something else with them or, you know, change the subject, whatever I could do to stop their pain. Because mm-hmm. it just, it was all the time. So you could, um, you could actually see them physically hurting for attention. Yeah. And they'd get, they'd be sad about it. Um, like I've said before, I was really close with my parents and my dad was a great dad, great grandpa. We called him Papa. And he he basically stood in and helped out a lot with the, you know, male role of teaching the kids stuff, teaching them baseball, teaching them this and that, and playing with them. And my dad would get on the on the floor and would wrestle with them and play with them and they'd climb on them and they just loved that. So even though they weren't getting any of anything like that with their dad they were still getting that in their life so they they would recover uh, you know a little bit more with Mm -hmm. having that too right we're talking about three children at this point right yeah eventually you had another yes so Uh, fast uh, forward well uh, hang on (laughs) (laughs) not too much (laughs) (laughs) well you know someone's asking that question in their mind we're, mm-hmm. we're at four kids, a roller we're coaster, three. three, well, three, and we're going to end up with four. Uh-huh. And things are a roller coaster, uh, the whole believing is bipolar. And you know, they're asking that question, why did you keep having children with this man? Right. And I'm going to let you answer that. I, I have an answer in my mind, but I want you mm-hmm. to answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was still the cycle, the abuse cycle. I was still in and didn't understand Um, I knew I wanted four. I always had four in my head. I grew up with one brother that was eight years older. I love big families. Uh, It was just something that I always had in my head. I'm also pretty stubborn. I didn't want to give up, especially as we had more kids. When you see those good moments, those glimmer of good and feel the good, because you're basically getting breadcrumbs and you're, you're taking those breadcrumbs and just living in it because that's all you would get as far as the good moments go. Mm -hmm. So I was always fighting for that fighting to keep it together. Uh, I would, you know, I would always just want it to work out. Mm -hmm. And I felt like at that point I was starting to get a little callous to the abuse. I was starting to it affected me, but yet it still didn't affect me hard. Like I, I knew myself and I knew who I was. So when he would tell me I said something and I knew I didn't, 
I stood in that. I didn't accept it. I didn't, I knew I was a good person, even though he would tell me I was awful. I knew, I knew my thoughts and my feelings, what it was to be, what was true. And so I didn't let the things he would say to me affect me as hard as I did at the beginning. After our first daughter was born, went through, you know, same cycle through those years. I had always wanted a fourth. He said, you know, he was done. He wasn't having any more, yada, yada. So I was just, okay, we're done. Had a garage sale, huge garage sale, sold all the baby stuff. And then 2017 rolled around. That year, he was particularly horrible, mean all the time. I could not. I was just fighting to stay afloat. I always felt like I was drowning um, because it was just... It was mean, meanness at every turn. Uh, there was a friend that he knew, a girl. You know, he had isolated me from all my friends and family. Was basically picking and choosing who I could be around. So then there was this girl that he introduced me to that he had known for a while. She was nice. We got along. I enjoyed spending time with her. He was, I'd never seen him like, be so encouraging about a friend before. So I was like, okay, her and I could go to dinner or we could go do stuff together. And so that was nice. It was, it was different. So I took that in. We became good friends. Our families did stuff together. We went to drive-in movies, shopping, uh, hung out at each other's houses, all, all the things you find a family and get along with the kids get along and you, you go do that. She was married, had three girls and, um, Bob was constantly doing things for her. I would hear all this crap about her husband, how horrible he was. Hmm. Uh, she was always asking me questions about Bob and I and details and all these things. And I, you know, just thought it was friends talking friends. So then I was starting to get little flags throughout that year Mm -hmm. that something more could be going on between them her and bob just my gut was screaming at me i would confront him about it and he would completely blow it off that i was i was you know making stuff up or i was looking too hard into stuff or whatever another god moment like right before um in october i had a breast lump scare thank god it was from my birth control So I had planned to get, they said, you need to get that birth control out because it was one of the arm ones. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So I planned that. And then November, right before Thanksgiving, I just had, my gut was screaming. I had prayed at church the week before. God, something's got to change here. Something has to move. I can't do this anymore. Like he just is hateful. It's uh, miserable. Like I can't. And so then that next week, he was home, we were in bed, and he was sawing logs, and I just laid there. I'm like, oh man, what am I supposed to do? I had the thought, I'm, I'm going to look at his phone. Like, I need to know what's going on. Mind you, all these years prior, I had never looked at his phone. I had never looked at his stuff. I had, with him traveling, I had no choice but to trust. Right. And so... I, I need to look in his phone. He usually would sleep with it under the pillow. 
which, yeah, that's weird. And I, I didn't say anything, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it was always weird to me, but then I find out that's what they do. Okay. Um, slept with it under his pillow. And so for some reason this time he had it out on like the nightstand and his fire department pager would go off all the time, all hours this night. It did not go off once. And I took his phone and I went in our bathroom and I, he has a million apps. I didn't know what I was looking for. I looked at bank information that I could get into because I had no idea of the financials. He kept me out of everything. My name wasn't on anything. I knew nothing. Uh, numbers. I didn't know how much he made a year. Nothing. Looking through those, looking through Messenger, just kind of ticking through the things. Didn't really find a whole lot. I was about to go back and my stu- my gut started screaming again. One, one more. Just look one more. So then I, I saw one that I hadn't opened yet, and it was an app I never heard of. Didn't know what it was about. But as soon as I opened it, I found text messages, a, str- a string. It's going through them, and my world just dropped beneath my feet. Hmm. I, I, it's the rug pulling out, pulled out from beneath you, and you fought so hard, just uh, gone, done figured out that it was my friend he introduced me to and his messages back and forth. And so for almost a year, they were having an affair Hmm. and it was, it was all the things (laughs) they would make up things about me and, and tell, talk about how bad I was. They made up lies. They would, she would go through and edit text messages that of our, her and I, make stuff up about it and I was just like wait so I look at my phone and I see what it was and it's like what <laughs> you know it's just crazy it's crazy stuff huh. and well wait wait she was uh-huh. sending him your text messages that you sent her but she had edited them to read something yeah. different yes to like out of context stuff so he was getting something that you never said yeah yeah and it was it was, I mean, they, they would both lie about me and just talk about how awful I was. I was just blown back by the fact that they were having an affair, but then that they were also like enjoying hating me. Hmm. So that was, that was a hard one because I tried to get along with everybody and I was used to him making up stuff about me. But then when I see someone else also doing it to, to make me look bad, it was just somebody I trusted, I thought. So it was a double betrayal for sure. Wow. So when you, and I got to always say when you look back, mm-hmm. but when you look back and this whole thing of, hey, here's a friend of mine, did you ever question where this friend came from, a female friend? I Sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I was wary after a while when I would see these flags and then he would always, you know, and I would talk to him about it. And he would always convince me or reassure me that, oh, she's, she's just been a, a friend. I've known her f- for a long time from this or that. Um, and it always, okay, all right. And so just continued on. There were times like he would, we'd go to the drive-in movie and he would, he'd play with her kids the whole time. Would not, would barely recognize, you know, acknowledge our kids well, there even. Okay. And he would play with hers. Right. Okay. So again, somebody's thinking it. I'm thinking it new. Mm-hmm. What was the other husband doing when all this was going on? 
uh, oblivious. Okay. Uh, not real. I don't know how much he really cared because after I found out about the affair, I called him and told him about it. And one of his questions was, well, do you think Bob will still be friends with me? What? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I was working with. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait, that was his question. He's more concerned about Bob than yeah. his own wife, his own relationship. His, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, she would she would talk to all the guys and cry to them about how awful her husband was and how he spent all this money, like, would just go on about, wouldn't let her buy a car, all these things. Well, I talked to him about it, and here she was making all of that up to make him look bad. Mm. And really, it was, you know, fingers pointed back. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling him all this stuff, the stuff I read, the stuff that I think's going on. And he just, he didn't care a whole lot. No, so. he, was, he was worried about the relationship with Bob. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's not going to leave me, is he? <laughs> <laughs> right. I was so, after I had a conversation with him, I was like, okay, that's, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. He was no help. He was no help at all. Also not well in the head, apparently. Wow. Oh, my so. goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm almost, like, stuck right now and even where to go with my next question. I but. know. Like, that's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> that whole thing. Okay. Okay. I got I to gri- get my grip back here. Because <laughs> that, I did not expect that at all. I yeah. didn't. So, I'm yeah. sure things kind of got really bad by the time you confronted Bob with what was mm-hmm. what you found, right? Yeah, it was, I couldn't, I went to see an attorney the next day, Mm. even my friend took me because I was like, I don't know what to do because he looked like a monster and these text messages and the Mm. fact of what he was doing and what I already knew about him. Mm. And the attorney basically told me, you're not ready. You don't know anything financial. You don't know any, you don't have a leg to stand on. Right. So that was defeating. He's like, you need to go through the week, go through Thanksgiving with your families, go do your normal thing. And we'll talk, we can talk again on Monday. And I thought, there is no way I could even look at him right now. Well, it was, it was, it was Thanksgiving for them. That's why they told you that they wanted to get there. Oh yeah. I'm like the, uh, I I can't go it. I pretended a lot over the years of being happy and putting a smile on my face when that was the last thing I could do, but I could not do this. And Mm. I. I just, I made, I wanted to throw up all the time. So I, I mean, I didn't last long. I got, went back to the house and he was there and I just kind of kept my distance. I couldn't take it anymore. And I confronted him. I had taken screenshots of all their messages, Mm -hmm. screenshots of a lot of stuff. I told him that the kids and I were going to go stay at my parents. He was like, why? No, you're not. I was like, I am, you know, why don't you? And he said, well, what's going on? I'm, I don't understand. Da, da, da. I said, well, why don't you go talk to whatever her message hand, handle mm-hmm. or whatever you call it is. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he denied it, denied it until I showed him the proof. Mm. And I left with the kids and went to my parents. Okay. So you found all these text messages. You confronted him with him. He eventually finally told you the truth, and you packed up the kids and headed to your parents' house, right? Yes. Okay, then what happened? I didn't, wasn't sure what to do next. I was, my world just crumbled. Everything I had thought for 
tried to keep together, I was just, I pretty much in a state of shock. Um, I knew he would lie to his family. I knew he always did um, throughout the whole relationship. Again, I didn't know what the term was, but he, there was triangulation the whole time. He would, I was always friendly with his family, always just very, we'd always be around them. I would never be crappy or anything, but he would go and tell me that his family doesn't like me. I make him feel this way, uh, that I, you know, this and that. And so I just, I always knew that couldn't be true. I would force myself to be probably too nice a lot of times because I didn't, I just don't like conflict, any of that stuff. So I would just be very go with the flow. So he would always tell me about his family and friends and how he doesn't have friends because of me and yada, yada. So I, I knew it wasn't true, but we had Thanksgiving coming. The only thing I knew what to do was your family's going to realize that the kids aren't, and I aren't at the house anymore. And you need to tell them why, regardless if this is convenient or appropriate or not like this is when everyone's going to be together and you need to tell them that what's going on and and why the kids and I won't be there so Thanksgiving he pulled everyone into the a bedroom and was crying sobbing telling everyone that he had an affair and that the kids and I had moved out and so some of his brother's sister's uh mom and aunt were kind of crying and comforting him And one of his sisters asked if it was because his uncle that he was close with had died a couple years earlier, if that's why he did it. His aunt asked him, so it was, it was only emotional, right? It wasn't anything physical to make it sound like it wasn't that bad. Right. And so I'm sitting there and they're all hugging him and consoling him. And I was just sat there in shock, <laughs> just a shock. And he would left stuff out. And I, so, and I would say what happened and whatnot. I, I knew because if I didn't, and he probably lied otherwise afterwards, but I knew if he didn't do it in front of me, he would have just lied up and down about what happened. And I just wanted to hear what went down. Right. Now, during this entire confession, uh-huh. was there anyone concerned about you? Mm, no. I mean, I think his his mom uh, gave me a hug. Everybody was crying, and I was I was just stone faced. I think I was still just numb, stone faced. I couldn't cry. I was angry. Uh, so I just, hmm. yep, I just said it, and then we left. Went to my back to my parents. So let me ask you, what was the plan? I mean, you made him confess this to his family. What was the plan after that? Did you guys say, okay, once you get this out in the open, we're going to go to counseling, we're going to do anything, or what was the plan? No. Um, Right after that, I started to really not so much dig into what the relationship was, but why he had an affair. I wanted to understand Mm -hmm. all of it. So I started listening to podcasts about marriages and affairs and all that stuff and and books and, and whatnot. The girl he was seeing, I found out that she was unstable mentally. She owned lots of guns. Um, so the decision to completely move out for good was solidified with that. 
he started going to counseling himself. He asked me to go and I said, no, um, this is something you need to work on and then we'll talk. And he started going to a Christian counselor who diagnosed him with sex addiction. And so I questioned this because that's loaded uh, with him traveling. I'm like, so how many affairs did you, you know, he said none, none. So then that turned into a porn addiction. So it's he, which I also don't understand. I think it's a bandaid over a bigger issue, much like the anger management we went through. Right. And so during all this time he was in at the time I thought like true confession mode told me that his anger management therapist never let him go. He just stopped going, told me, you know, he admitted to the narcissistic abuse that he was putting me through the bad stuff he was doing, saying the mean things, all, all of that, trying to like, whether I know he didn't mean that now, but seemed like he did. Uh, I went through a really deep depression talking dark room, hard to get out of bed. My parents helped me get the kids, take care of the kids, do the school things. Um, and finally, you know, I was, I could no longer be in that place of depression. So I, I prayed and I prayed for God to help me get out of this. And it was like the next day I, I started to feel better and I started to dig and learn on myself. I was feeling, you know, really good about things about myself. I started meditating, you know, trying to do all the positive things that you can do for yourself after something like that. Right. And he continued to stay. I, I started seeing a therapist who validated me on so many levels about the abuse and things that I'd never heard of the terms. And she basically said, you know, if you, see a positive change in him and it lasts say six months you know a narcissist they can't keep that going on for a long time like the mask will fall you'll know for sure if it's going to stick or not so I was okay and I was reading bible app and it said about forgiveness and how you need to do it for yourself and to let things to be at peace with things and not that you're forgiving him for what he did so I, I did that. He was still staying on this, you know, positive path of being nice. He was involved with the kids for once. He was caring, loving all the things, a different person. And he accredited that to his counseling and, and seeing the light and this and that. And we started to look for a house. He said he was going to sell his house and we were going to look for a house down where I grew up because the kids were going to school down there at this point. And, and well, I got to stop you. You guys are still married, right? We're still married. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. you were just staying more with your parents than with him. Yeah. I mean, I, mean many... I moved. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I moved them out. We moved out Thanksgiving. I would drive my oldest who was in first grade at the time, mm-hmm. second grade. I drove him to, his elementary every day and would hang around until he got out right. to finish up the half of that half of the school year. And then I enrolled him back at home. So okay. for the second half. So 
during this entire time, you're working on yourself. You're trying to improve your, your mental uh, stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying, were you working on a relationship with him to build that back up again? Because you said you were watching for positive signs. Were you doing that also? Um, I was, I wasn't real hopeful. I mean, I, after the affair, when I found out I had, I mean, even though I was eating, I had dropped down to 115 bones, skin and bones. I, I was starting to get healthier mind. You know, I was working on myself more and more of the understanding of my role or what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was just kind of writing on this, you know, I didn't let, he didn't, I didn't let him touch me for probably six months or so. He'd always want a hug. He'd always try to get a hug or whatever. I'd never let him touch me. I just, it made me sick. And so. Did he know this? Did, did he know that's oh, why yeah. you Okay. Oh yeah. No, I was, I'm very verbal about how I was feeling and, he listened to the podcast, the marriage podcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I had an affair. Oh, yeah, that that makes sense. I saw him working on himself, me working on myself. He, you know, was doing well. During this time, I had my birth control implant taken out. I told him about it. Didn't go on anything else because I wasn't being sexually active, so I wasn't going to mess with birth control at the time because just gave me scares that I didn't want. So he knew this. Well, then about nine months in after the affair, we were at a a great place. We found a house in Geneva, uh, bought it. He still hadn't sold his other house. Um, And it was shortly after that I found out I was pregnant with our fourth. And it was, I mean, like the first time that I was even able to be close to him Mm -hmm. like that. So I found out I was pregnant. And right after that, we had the house. I was pregnant. Everything went right back downhill. Mm. I mean, it was like, it was like night and day. I was shocked. He blamed, he blamed me for getting pregnant. Uh, wait, 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 wait. he blamed you for getting pregnant. Did you do it by yourself? (laughs) Apparently God and I had a plan. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to slide that in there. My bad. Yeah. Oh, I you know. Go, go I know. Right I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> you know, you were fully aware. And he says, "I didn't tell him that I didn't have birth control, which I I did, and I know I did, and I made sure mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Wasn't hiding it. Getting pregnant was not my plan. I was pregnant, and I remember we had moved into the new house, and he was screaming at me that." You did this on purpose. You want me to work for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be able to retire. This baby is such a burden. You had this planned. And I was just horrified. The fact that, I mean, I wasn't surprised that he, because our third child, he said something about the same mm-hmm. wavelength. And so he's just, it's a burden. Um, I'm going to be working forever because of this baby. And I just, it was, it was after that. And, and those were one of the moments where he would trap me in a room, which we haven't talked about. This is something that had happened throughout the marriage relationship. He would trap me in a room, trap me in a bathroom, 
in a closet and wouldn't let me out and would just scream at me, not just in my face, scream at me, same things over and over, just, and I would try to keep my cool. I would try to breathe through it, but then he would just push, 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 push until I would react, which takes a lot. And I'd start screaming and screaming to let me out, screaming to let me breathe. I couldn't breathe when he would do this. And he would then calm down and basically be like, wow, you're losing it. Hmm. And then I find out later that's, there's a name for that reactive abuse. So it was, I know I didn't, we had to do this quickly. So I wasn't able to like detail everything, but there was a lot of coercion, sexual coercion, uh, the triangulation between other people. Now you've said that a couple of times. Uh huh. What does that mean? Triangulation is when they use anyone else to put you down, to basically pit two against one, to basically make you look like a bad person. They make up stories to make you look, make up things that aren't true just to put you in that place. Right. And, and when you're in it and you're groomed to accept breadcrumbs, the minimal amount of whatever positive someone can give you and you you just strive and thrive on those breadcrumbs like you think it's getting better and then it doesn't and it's just the cycles are all over the place you don't know when it's going to be good when it's going to be bad I remember thinking man did I say something wrong if he was coming back from work did I say something wrong today to make him mad when he gets here is whatever cleaned up is everything how it should be and if I could check these marks off in my head that no I, I didn't I didn't say anything to make him mad I didn't so he should be coming home in a good mood. Right. And it, it, it wouldn't matter. Like if he felt like putting me down or treating me like crap that day for whatever reason, he did. He'd find a reason. He'd dig something up from two years ago. If I look at him sideways or, you know, if anything, mm-hmm. it just depended on his mood and how he wanted to handle being home. Right. And so it was constant eggshells. Um, well, just, l- l- let me ask you some questions here because, mm-hmm. I mean, I know people are listening, and I'm going to play this this other side. So don't get mad at me and hang up, all right? Because we have a rule. You can't I, hang up on me. Okay? I promise. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to ask some questions here. Okay. The biggest one I think that everyone keeps wanting to know is mm-hmm. why you would stay. And you've answered that a couple of times. But as you kept seeing the repeated uh, things over and over where he would act the same or he would give you signs that let you know he's about to behave the same way he promised he never would, Mm -hmm. why would you not leave then? I get it. You didn't leave the first time you had a child. You didn't Mm -hmm. leave the second time you had a child. Things were good. A third time comes along and you're seeing these things over and over. Why? The question, I guess, really is why four children? To finally, mm-hmm. finally, you end up getting divorced, right? Yeah. But why four children when you kept seeing this go over and over and over again? Um, it basically is after our fourth was born and it, everything was horrible and bad. It, and I like the, this, all those signs were screaming in my face was that's basically when I started to educate myself. 
I wasn't educated before. I hadn't heard about these things. I had started listening to a podcast called BTR, Betrayal, Trauma, and Recovery for Women. And it, they that's the first time that I had heard about narcissistic abuse and emotional abuse, mental abuse, all of it, financial. I knew that things weren't right, but I thought maybe this is just how he is. And like I said, I was I was going off breadcrumbs. And so when it was good, it was really good. Mm-hmm. And so I would just strive to get that good back all the time so it was emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. and i would basically deal with his tantrums and his and his you know fits that he would throw knowing that at some point it was going to be good it wasn't until i i i put labels on things that things made sense and i saw that it was abuse because you don't you hear physical and that's blatant and that's obvious but when you like for the financial abuse, like I said before, nothing was in my name. I had zero credit. I, he gave me an allowance. So I had, he would give me uh, $350 every two weeks to buy groceries, toilet paper, diapers, all the things for the kids. And I would have to ask for extra money. Sometimes he'd be nice about it. Sometimes he would treat me like crap about it. So I hated doing it and I did everything I could to budget to not have to ask him for any other money. I didn't realize like also, you know, when I filed for divorce, I found out he was making another hundred thousand dollars more than I, he had told me because I'd never seen anything. Um, Hmm. yeah. And so it's, it was the learning. It was like just really digging in to what was happening to me. And I'm still doing it to this day. I've still, listen to things and read things and to better understand something that your life was about for, you know, 12 years and still going on Right. that I, I want to know more and more about. Right. So someone's out there probably saying, you know, listening to your story, you didn't have it that bad. You could have just stayed and uh, dealt with it. What mm-hmm. would you What would you tell someone who probably is in the same situation and is thinking that, saying, "Well, you could have just stayed. You could have stuck it out." What would you say? When your self worth is taken so low to where you feel like you're basically worth nothing, you're worth nothing to anybody. You're somebody is telling you what a terrible person you are all the time basically just thrives on making your life a living hell for no reason. And you know that there, there is better out there and there is, it's scary and it's hard and, but there is better and it gets better and it takes a lot of fight and it takes a lot of good days and bad and worse days, but sticking it out was never an option when he, it came to a point where he started threatening to take my kids away. He would make things up about me, basically threatening to take my kids. Mm-hmm. And and he knows that my kids are my life and are my everything. And I've I've been there sun up, sun down with them and doing things for them with them. And he knew that's where to get me the hardest. Money, I don't care about money. I don't care about whatever. It's not about any of that. It's my kids and their well-being and I wanting them to grow up to be healthy 
mentally, emotionally, you know, adults is what I, all I want from them. When you were going through counseling, when you listened to some of your podcasts, you read books, were there points in there where you found yourself and said, you know, that was me. I was doing something wrong that maybe fueled uh, the fire. It's just, no. Okay. And I'm not saying that because I don't do anything wrong. I'm perfect. I'm not saying that at all. But I know that I, when you, when you get out, you have so much guilt for staying in. You have mm. shame for staying in it. And I know now that I did the best that I could mm. and I did above and beyond what I should have ever done for another human being to be and to be treated that way. I never, my self-worth and my everything had been broken down into nothing and who I thought it was broken down to nothing that I, I didn't believe at the time I deserved more. My regret is that I didn't know about these things sooner. I didn't, didn't find out about them sooner. I didn't educate myself sooner to get out sooner. Right. Or I would have. When you get told by different people that, well, you, you can't do anything. You don't know any of the financials. You don't know, you don't know anything about your life or whatever. You're, you're not going to be able to get out. You know, and a, an attorney tells me this and it's like, you feel so defeated. Um, besides the roller coaster I was on with him, I was on a roller coaster with my own trying to figure things out and there's many, you know, defeats and, and stuff. And so my regret, it was just staying too long, letting, mm. letting another human treat me the way that they did for so long. There's a lot more that happened after this. And we, we talked at the beginning and we cannot go into that because that's still yes. in the courts yet. And mm-hmm. you still have another battle ahead of you yet. Yeah. It's not over. What do you tell a female listening to this, what do you tell them? I mean, we've, we've asked this question before, but I want to hear from you. I mean, you've gone through a lot. And like you said, it's not always the, the physical side. It was the emotional side, the psychological mm-hmm. side. What do you tell a female who may be going through this? Just narrow it down. Uh, if, you've, if any of it resonates with you at all, to any degree, to surround yourself, even if you're isolated, even if there's no friends or family that are there to support you, that there are so many other ways to get support. I was thankful and grateful to have my family as a support and friends that I had made after that have been supportive. But I also, I reached out to the domestic hotline. I started going to the crisis center, which when you're a proud fighting mom admitting that the abuse happened to you and what you've been through with the shame and the guilt to go to a crisis center and say it and ask for help and resources is hard. But everyone I've talked to has been great and helpful and there's support out there everywhere and you're not alone. (laughs) So it's out there and just... You got to fight for you. You got to fight for your kids if you have them and know that there's better out there, that life is better and it's not worth fighting for even though you try and try. My, my, my. Leanne, Mm -hmm. we've known each other for just a little while (laughs) and I 
can only just say thank you to you for sharing your story. I know from talking to you before, there's a lot more, but I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your feelings, sharing your advice, and also talking about, you know, the podcast, the BTR podcast uh, Mm -hmm. that women can go to and listen to. Mm -hmm. All I can say is thank you. You've got a lot of work yet to do for yourself, right? Yep. Battle. And you've got a lot of work to do for your kids, right? Battle, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Because they've seen a lot, heard a lot, things that I'm sure you didn't want them to ever have to grow up knowing about. Right. All I can say is, wow, um, thank you very much, Leanne. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Um, It means so much, and I'm I'm hoping it helps someone out there that doesn't understand or isn't sure and has questions, and I'm happy to help. (laughs) I hope just you and I talking about it helps you a little bit, too. Yeah, no, it feels, it, it's nice. I, I've i not been able to, to talk about everything. And, and we didn't even get into absolutely everything because there's not enough time in the day. But, right. but, um, but yeah, I'd love to update at some point and answer questions and whatever anybody sends to you. I'm more than happy. Yeah, like I said, we, there's a whole nother side of this. And uh, we would love to do an update on how things went, how things are going. Uh, because this is not something that's over. I mean, this mm-hmm. this month comes around, but it's just not one month out of the year. This is going yeah. on a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we will always revisit. We're not going to cut you off the program <laughs> that quick. <I> think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leanne, thank you very much for being with us. And, folks, yeah. we appreciate you listening in to Police Pod Talk. And, again, if you have any questions, like Leanne says, she'd be more than happy to answer those and also come back with an update. You know the email. Put them out there. Leanne, thanks. And folks, thanks for listening to Police Pod Talk. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.